My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. Our Sunday School is part of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. To prepare for this lesson, please go to OurSundaySchool.com for a copy of today's handout. Now, let's get to this week's lesson. Well, good morning, and welcome to Our Sunday School. Glad you guys are here. Glad you guys are here online as well. Uh, if you got your Bibles, let's go to Mark chapter 13. Mark chapter 13. So we've got quite a few folks online this morning. So, hey, Ron. Hey, Chris. It's Amy V, Sean, Day, the Gregs. Hey, you got the rest of them there, too. So say hello to them as well. Uh, and then Nancy Miller. Fantastic. Well, welcome, guys. So, <laughs> I hear you, buddy. Uh, sorry, so Mark chapter 13. Uh, we're about a third of the way into this chapter. Uh, and very soon, we are going to start getting to some areas that are going to be tempting to guess. So I will, I will challenge, a, and I'm saying this out loud on camera, live on the internet, because I need to be reminded not to guess too. Like it is, it is really, really healthy for me to hear me say, oh yeah, don't do that. Um, I, <laughs> somebody asked me one time, uh, what percentage of the applications and personalizations are directed squarely at me and I hope y'all benefit and it's about 85% so like it's it's the biggest chunk um, all right so the question that we ask each week what is God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we have studied so far so uh, what is he doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far <laughs> yes. So special shout out to Josh for demonstrating flexibility this week. Uh, last Sunday morning, I asked him to do something. He got ready for it, and then we changed plans midweek. So kudos, Josh. Thank you, sir. Yes. Yes. It is. Yes. Yeah. So, so for those of you online, uh, sometimes we minimize what the uh, the apostles and all others who sacrificed their life and limb for Christ. And we're actually going to see that phrase today in the text today. Um, and that's a that's a beautiful gift that we've been given as well. Um, and. Yeah, absolutely. So what's he teaching you for that through that? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Our our current inconvenience is uh uh is not exactly on the same uh playing field, but I would argue at the same time, I, I don't know that I've necessarily, uh, saying this out loud, I don't know that I've been given the opportunity to die for Christ yet. So should that day come, I would pray that God's grace would be sufficient, and it would be, so there you go. Um, so we got one from online. So Miss Miller says it's revealing uh, the number of preconceived ideas I personally have had. Yes. Thank you for articulating what I didn't yet. So, yes, that's all right. Dave. 
What? You listen to other podcasts other than our Sunday school? There you go. <laughs> we have a podcast, in case you didn't know. We just take the recordings and I convert them to audio, and, you know, it's not too complicated. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I've never heard yada, yada, yada applied to the scripture before, but okay. But, Missed expectations. That's right. Cool. Good. Good, good. All right. Well, let's uh, jump in and read Mark chapter 13. So we'll read the whole chapter and then we'll pick up. I believe we are starting in verse 9 today. Yes, that's my notes. I'm going to show you guys my notes one day and you'll be like, what kind of mad witchcraft is that? It is. So Josh got to see him this week. Yeah. Oh, oh, you think? Okay. I was sure you were going to text me and be like, uh, yeah, I need a, I need a, I think so. <laughs> yes, that's right. All right, Mark chapter 13. And as he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? And Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pains. But be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you were about to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not be, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is out on the housetop not go down, nor enter his house, nor take anything out. And to the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that it may not happen in winter. For in those days there will be such tribulation as not been from the beginning of the creation that God created until now and never will be. And if the Lord had not cut short the days... No human being would be saved, 
But for the sake of the elect, whom he chose, he shortened the days. And then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But be on guard. I have told you all things beforehand. But in those days, after the tribulation, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds and from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. All right, so let's take a look at our text this morning. So we're picking up in verse 9. So we have already talked about so far in this chapter. He has set the stage. He has given this provocative statement. The uh, Peter, James, John, and Andrew ask him privately, when is all this stuff going to happen? And the predominant answer that he gives is not an answer to when. It is what kind of a response they should have while they're waiting. Right? Um, there, was a, there was a Christian band. I don't even know if it exists anymore. Uh, when I was in college. And the, the, t- the name of the band was The Waiting. And I thought... That's a great name for a band, right? Because that's, that's what are we? We're, we're waiting. We're in the already and the not yet, right? Um, so let's pick up with verse 9. So they have, they have asked him. He has started to respond with a couple of different things. Uh, he ends verse 8. These are but the beginning of the birth pains. And so in verse 9, but be on your guard. And this is a plural present active imperative. So this is a group standing order, right? So be on your guard. For they will deliver, future indicative, it's a statement of fact, they will deliver you, it's plural, you as a group, over to or into councils. Now, I want to pause here for just a second because this is a wonderful opportunity for us to take our 21st century American understanding of what a council is and force it into this text. And that is really not at all what is going on. Uh, The word for council here is Sinedrian. Uh, and if, if, I, if I say it a couple of times, Sinedrian, Sinedrian. Like if you, I guess if you said it with a certain southern accent, you could probably get Sanhedrin out of that, right? And that's literally what the word is. This is the, the Sanhedrin. Um, th- this is any type of a meeting where something is decided at either a local or a larger level. Uh, so I'll read you something from Wikipedia here. So there were two classes of Jewish courts which were called Sanhedrin. 
the great Sanhedrin and the lesser Sanhedrin. A lesser Sanhedrin of 23 judges was appointed to sit as a tribunal in each city. So you had to have at least a certain number of people that could do this to qualify as this type of a group. But there was only supposed to be one great Sanhedrin of 71 judges, which, among other roles, acted as the Supreme Court, taking appeals from cases which were decided by lesser courts. In general usage, the Sanhedrin without qualifier usually refers to the Great Sanhedrin. And in the Second Temple period, the Great Sanhedrin met, anybody want to take a guess? In the temple. So where are they again? They're sitting outside on the Mount of Olives looking at the temple. And Jesus is saying, they will deliver you over to councils. So from the immediate context of his words, it really looks like they're about to be delivered over to the great Sanhedrin. Now, Josh and I were texting back and forth a little this week about this, and he brought up a really interesting point. The great Sanhedrin has 71 judges. So our Supreme Court has nine. Can you imagine trying to get a consensus out of 71 judges? I mean, just the complexity involved in that would have been stunning They would collectively group together and make some decision about this. Yeah. Now, would there be a mechanism, righteous or unrighteous, where you could get things moved along quicker? Sure. There's lots of ways to do that. And we already know that the whole temple financial structure was corrupt. So it, like my brain defaults to a, yeah, that was probably a little corrupt too. You know, there was a lot of corruption. You know, we look around and we're like, oh, politics, it's awful. Yes, <laughs> it's probably a true statement in any period of time in the history of the universe, right? So this is just the way this stuff works. So just wanted you to have the, the uh, one perspective on this council. However, it's plural. Which means he can't just be talking about the Sanhedrin. He's got to also be talking about lesser councils elsewhere. So sometimes the context is like, well, this is obviously what this is. And then the grammar comes along and goes, well, yes, and maybe some other stuff too. So we, we want to take all of this stuff into account. And this is actually one of the, things, the reasons I love Bible study is that it's not just a, it's not a grammatical, exegetical exercise only. There's a lot of different components that come into this to help us understand and have a, a good uh, perspective on what is actually going on. All right, so uh, they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten. Now, I've never been beaten. Um, I, I was the, the nerd, the math nerd, in every school I was ever in. Uh, I threw one punch in my life, uh, landed squarely, guy went down, and all my friends, who I can say this now because it's been like 30 years, I did their homework for them, uh, jumped in and protected me from, like, repercussions. Because this, this guy was actually, <laughs> he was legit. Uh, and the only reason that I was able to punch him was that he never in a million years thought that I was ever actually going to swing, because that was how stupid that was, right? Um, but, but I have never been in a, like, in a position where I'm just going to get beaten. And those of you that know me fairly well, I'm... that. I like to watch MMA. 
I don't want to participate. Like there's this chasm between those two spaces, right? This, this is one of those, like, you're going to be beaten. This is terrifying, right? Um, like what in the world? It's a future indicative, though, to flay, to scourge, to thrash. I don't like any of those words. But if we go back earlier in uh, Mark chapter 12, and we look at the parable of the tenants, when Jesus talks about when the season came, he sent, this is the father sent a servant to the tenants to gather from them some of the fruit of the vineyard, and they took him and beat him. And we, we saw that these were the prophets of the Old Testament, the people that God had sent to carry the message. There's actually a connection here that what happened in the past will happen in the future. Just because they were prophets, just because you're apostles, welcome to the same outcome. So there's this connection with the prophets here. I think it's really interesting. So you'll be beaten in synagogues. Now, Mitch, I'm going to ask you a question. So describe to me what would happen at a first century Jewish synagogue. Like what, what would be some of the things that could occur? There'd be prayer, yep. Reading of scripture, yep. Sermon by the rabbi. Yes, it's very similar to a modern day church service-ish, right? Uh, different instruments. <laughs> uh, but do you ever remember a time in your church background, and I'm really hoping your answer is no here, just, I'm just going to tell you. Do you ever remember a time in your church background where there was a public beating as part of the service itself. Like a physical beating. Yeah, physical, yeah, there we go. Yeah. So, which, which I mean, this takes, in my mind, a, like, what are we doing in the sense, like, this is craziness. We're going to take an opportunity now in our order of worship. We're going to beat our second-time visitors. Whoa, time out. I don't think so. <laughs> right, Ike? It's exactly right. Like, no, I don't think so. I'm out. It's crazy. They're going to be beaten in synagogues. Sometimes we just run past this stuff and don't think about how odd that would have been to have that actually occur. And you will stand before governors. Again, future indicatives. A lot of future indicatives here. And kings. And here the grammar gets really interesting. For... The word is uh, henica, it means on account of. And then the word is ego, it's just me. And the vast majority of our English translations actually translate this for my sake. The sake is added, just for clarity. And I actually don't think it adds any clarity. You're going to stand before governors and kings for me. So what type of a person stands in front of another leader on behalf of a king? We have a word for this. Ambassadors, yes. He's actually describing ambassadors here. And I think it's interesting that you know some of the, the apostles picked up on this, <laughs> probably directly and indirectly from the Holy Spirit, in their uh, later writings and talk about that we are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. This is what this looks like. So this is not necessarily purely a I show up in a wonderful place and I get to present a message and I get to leave safely and securely. Sometimes there's going to be beatings involved in this. But we get to do this for Jesus, which is fantastic. To bear witness before them. And you guys have heard me talk about this word. I won't go, I won't elaborate a lot here. But this martyrion, this uh, 
the word originally meant to testify in court, it became associated with Christians who testified in court about what they believed and were then killed, and we get our English word martyr from it. So it's, a, it's one of those words that it didn't mean what we think it means then. It just means you're going to testify. You're going you're to witness. You're going to testify. Earlier in Mark's Gospel in 144, it's translated by the ESC as the word proof. And in 611, it's translated as the word testimony. So it's got a pretty flexible range of meaning here. So you're going to testify or witness before them for Jesus, right? Because he's been telling them over and over and over and over, this very specific thing is going to happen to me. I'm going to go here. They're going to beat me. They're going to torture. They're going to kill. I'm going to rise again. And I'm not sticking around. And you guys are going to get to engage and be my ambassadors after I leave. It's amazing stuff. Verse 10, in the gospel, singular. I love that. Brian said something last week that was really, really fantastic. He said, anytime you put a modifier in front of the gospel, it's no longer the gospel. The social gospel, the uh, health and wealth gospel, the whatever else. The gospel is singular. right? I, and it, it makes me right now want to go and look and see, is it singular everywhere it shows up in the New Testament? And if I had a nickel... I might bet a nickel that it's probably singular. But in the gospel must be first proclaimed to all nations. Now, this word proclaimed is a, it's a really neat word. It's caruso, and it means to herald as a public crier. And we don't have these, like we don't have these people in our current uh, society. Uh, some cultures do, right, Dave? Some cultures do, uh, and this is what they look like. So when something important happens at Buckingham Palace, a public crier comes out and declares, this is what has occurred. And this is the word. Now this is also a word that is used to describe preachers in the New Testament several different times. Evangelists, this process of heralding and proclaiming something that is true, which I think is really kind of cool. Now this particular picture is the engagement of uh, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. So, recent times. This is not an old school picture. It's a relatively recent picture. Uh, but this is, now he looks really angry when he's doing this, but I think it was probably a good day. Um, I mean, he got all gussied up, so there you go. The, uh, I said gussied, didn't I? Okay, yep. The Sheb bolt's coming out there in me today, isn't it? <laughs> if my mom's listening right now, she's laughing really loud. So there's that. Uh, so the gospel must first be proclaimed. It must first be heralded. It must first be uh, cried out to all nations, all ethnos, all races, all tribes, all foreign ones, all Gentiles, all pagans, to everybody. Verse 11, and when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, and this is a present active participle, so the others were not present active participles. This is going to be the normal. When they surrender you over, when they deliver you up, do not be anxious beforehand. Well, yeah, Jesus, that's easy for you to say. And I, I will tell you, I think it is beautiful, the example that Christ gives us himself of how not to be anxious about knowing what is going to happen. Because I dare you to read 
any part of any one of the four Gospels and find a hint of anxiety in Jesus Christ. There was some clarity, right? I want to make sure and validate this is the only way, Father. There's no anxiety there. Don't be anxious. This is a plural, present, active, imperative. So as a group, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say, and I've got an error in the handout here for just a second. So the, the word say actually is a Greek word. Usually when I skip past a, a red letter word um, and don't have a bracket after it, it means there's not a Greek word associated with it. There is, I just didn't drop it in the right spot. So this word, uh, laleo, I think it's nine rows down, the G2980, actually goes right after that word say before whatever. And that's a plural present active imperative. So don't be anxious, but say whatever is given to you. And that given is passive, which is great, because that's God's role. God's role is to provide. Our role is to accept it and to speak it. Say whatever is given to you in that hour, in that, in that very particular hour. For it is not you who speak, present active participle, repeated, but the Holy Spirit. And think about how wonderfully reassuring that would be. Like, I don't have to go make something up. Yay. This is fantastic. Uh, 20 plus years ago, when I started teaching Sunday school on a regular basis, um, I guess it's a little less than 20 years ago, wasn't it? A little less than 20 years ago. I always would struggle with, well, what do we teach next? And what do we teach next? And what do we teach next? And it was probably five, six years ago that I quit worrying about all that stuff because it just needs to come from here, right? Pick a text, teach that. This is from the Holy Spirit. This is from uh, our God. Uh, and, and there is very little anxiety now in my mind and in my heart with teaching anymore because we're just going to pick a text and go with that. And, okay, great. Because it's up to the Spirit. So verse 12, and brother will deliver brother over to death. And I don't know what kind of relationship you have with your family. Hopefully it's not that. Right, that would be very bad. But this is a future indicative. This is going to happen. Brother will deliver brother over to death and father his child. So Josh, you're in the room right now with your son. Can you imagine a scenario? I mean, that's just, you're like, no, no, I'm not doing that. I have a son, he's 17. Nope. Nope. And then it gets crazy, and children will rise up. The word means to stand up against or to attack parents. Ike, you want to learn something today? I bet you already know it. I bet you already know you're not supposed to attack your parents, right? Cool. We got that one covered. Awesome. Good. And not just attack them, but have them put to death. And this word only shows up one other time in Mark's gospel. It's in Mark 14.55. And if you look over at Mark 14.55, it says, Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking testimony against Jesus to put him to death. See, so that they are going to get to participate in Jesus-like experiences. And I, 
I have heard most of my life, we are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And about six months ago, I heard somebody say, but don't forget what happened to the hands and feet of Jesus. It's like, you know, I don't, I don't know that I've really thought about identifying with that part. Because that doesn't show up in a health and wealth gospel. <laughs> that part does not at all. So, children will rise up against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated to hate, to persecute, to love less by all for, and then here we go again, my the name. And the word sake, again, is not here in the original. So for my name. And it's a singular. There's no other name that we're going to be hated for. Not like we're going to be hated for Jesus' name. But, <laughs> so emotionally, we're at a low spot in this lecture, right? Would you agree? <laughs> Here's what's coming, boys. Yay, let's sign up. But there's a little bit of ray of sunshine here. The one who endures or stays under to bears up or perseveres to the end will be saved. And I, I love the tense of the word saved because it is not active. It is not my bearing up and enduring saves me. No, 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 no. My bearing up and enduring is the Father's work of saving us. You ask me, how does all that work together? I don't know. I know I have a responsibility, and I know God has uh, governance and authority. And I'm cool with that. <laughs> he didn't tell me that it was up to me to save me. I say, thank you, Jesus, for that. So we'll be saved. We'll be sozo, the, the, the deliverance, the protection, saved person. So again, a future indicative. Not all the future indicatives in Mark chapter 13 are bad, which is good. <laughs> this is very good news for us. All right, so in my notes for Josh that I had sent him, uh, I had in big red uh, highlights, do not talk about potential timelines or theological options for the end of days <laughs> because we're not there yet. Uh, so this is the most number of applications and personalizations I have ever had. So if you're going to write these down, uh, start with small font. It would be my encouragement to you. All right, so application number one, Jesus knows the future. Duh, right? I mean, this is the, the future indicative passage here about I'm going to show what I know. So what do we do with that? Trust him. Trust him. So what is the point? Number two, application number two, we are informed. Thank God he did not leave us uninformed. We are informed. So what do we do with that? Number two, uh, trust him with what he has shared. Trust him with what he has shared. Application number three, we are not totally informed. <laughs> like there's a, there's a limit to which we go like, oh yeah, I don't know that. Okay, all right. What do we do with that? Trust him with what he has not shared. And this is the hard part, right? This is the part where I go, like, well, but I want to know all the details. <clears throat> the next time this crosses our mind, may God bring to remembrance Mark chapter 13, uh, verses 9 through 13. Because not all the details are going to inspire us to uh, sign up for whatever God has next. 
right? You wouldn't put this on the recruiting poster for Christianity. Like, sign up here. You get all these benefits. Like, well, maybe I don't know. Maybe that's okay, right? Uh, application number four, false prophets are coming. False prophets are coming. I would say, and they'll be well-informed. So what do we do with that? Remember that there was, is, and will be only one Jesus. Our Messiah has come. He has accomplished what God the Father had for him to do. He has done the work for our salvation. We don't need anybody else. <laughs> I just, I don't need another Jesus. So remember that there was, is, will be only one Jesus. Number five, application. Signs are not proof of authenticity. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Signs might wow us. Signs might get a whole lot of YouTube views, but they are not proof of authenticity. So what do we do with that? Trust him. And I have in parentheses in my notes, and don't be fooled by my eyes. Because my eyes will fool me. And I'm not just talking about these trans, uh, transition lenses, which I have now gotten used to, by the way. So thank you for those of you that have... I'm not doing this while I'm reading now, so... Mitch, you were right. It just took a couple of weeks. Thank you. I had uh, five brothers that told me the exact same advice. Just give it a couple of weeks. You'll be all right. Okay. Yeah, that's, yeah. Oh, really? It's, it's one directional, right? <laughs> all right, application number six. Persecution connects us with prophets of old. God's people were never popular. And... Virtually all of our society is promoting, and literally, we have a TV show, American Idol. <laughs> let's, let's create an idol. And I'm not, if, if you like American Idol, I'm not ragging on American Idol. I'm just saying it's pretty clear that we have a problem with popularity and the emphasis that we put on it in our culture. Um, but persecution connects us with prophets of old, number six. So what do we do with that? Uh, rejoice that we are not alone God never left those prophets. The Spirit will never leave us. It is a wonderfully beautiful promise. It's a wonderfully beautiful promise. Number seven, I told you there was a lot. I'm going to get to nine, okay? So if you need to modify your size of your font. <laughs> Number seven, our testimonies are for Jesus. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what you're going to go through. That story is for Jesus. So what do we do with that? Know that our Lord Jesus Christ redeems our stories. There's a new CD that came out a couple of weeks, maybe a week or so ago, week and a half. It showed up at my house a couple of days ago, and I've had it pretty much on repeat. And I'm expecting Julie at some point today or tomorrow to go, can we pick another one, right? Uh, Ellie Holcomb, and uh, there's a, there's a, the chorus of one of the songs. I got a lot of bad days coming at me, but a sweet, sweet ever after. And I like that a lot. That I don't know what the days look like, but he will not leave us. He will not forsake us now or later. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, application number eight, we are never alone. We are never alone. So what do we do with that? Rejoice. 
This is good. This is good. And then application number nine. Jesus is worth it. Jesus is worth it. So what do we do with that? Endure. I have an exclamation point next to mine. With God's help and with the church's support. Oh, Thesa Morgan just sent me a text. So that word for endure, hupomeno, uh, the root of that is the same word as the word for abide in John 15. Abide in him, abide in Christ. Right? This is not a, it's not a, like I am, I'm uh, exerting effort in my own force, in my own strength, in myself. No, 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 no. Endure in Christ. Thank you, Thesa. That was wonderfully helpful. This is, like, y'all have no idea how helpful it is to me when you in interject or ask a question. Thank you, Jen, you do this so well. Um, and get me thinking about some, like, oh, okay, we're over here, and this connects, and it's, you know, it's almost like it had one author. It's amazing, right? Absolutely amazing. All right, so that is the longest number of applications and personalizations I think we have had this entire series. I make no promises about the future weeks, so there's that. All right, so next week, Lord willing, we'll start with Mark 13, 14. That's your one blank on your handout. So for those of you that are blank fillers, there you go. And uh, our homework is to pray, hear, think, talk, share, and invite. Uh, all the details about all the stuff is at OurSundaySchool.com, podcast, YouTube channel, all the jazz, uh, all the past uh, lessons that we have done. Uh, I have revamped the study page so that it is a lot easier to use now, uh, it, both for this series that we're in in Mark and for uh, prior series that we have had. So with that, let's move into our prayer time. Uh, so you should have a weekly update at your table, so make sure everybody's name uh, that is physically here is on that. Uh, and if you would uh, pick a section to pray over, uh, make any modifications or changes that need to be made, pray as a group, and after you've done that, you are free to go and to worship this one who knows the future, who keeps us informed about what we need to know about, who helps us have a connection to our past, who tells us what is coming, who reminds us that our stories are only redeemed in him and then asks us to abide in him and endure because he is worthy. So thanks for coming to Sunday School today, guys. Thanks for engaging. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast YouTube channel, and weekly email. You can subscribe to all three of those at OurSundaySchool.com. Grace and peace to you.